Good evening, PBC Evening Congregation. What a privilege it is to be able to share with you guys again. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to the worship team and the MC squad for yeah, just welcoming us in and creating a space for us to be able to listen and receive from, from God and His Holy Spirit. For those of you who've been with us in the last few weeks, you would know that we had done a Letters to the Church series in which we were yeah, just taking a different format of teaching and in where we were writing letters to different things that were happening in and around us and, and just addressing different themes. And it was lovely last week to meet up in Zoom and just catch up about all the different things that we spoke about, uh, discuss any questions, and, and really just be reminded of, of what we've been going through. If you missed out on that, you can uh, go back online and, and listen to all the different sermons and stuff that are available. Uh, but we're going to be moving forward now onto another series which, funny enough, is still going to be on a letter, except this time it's going to be on a letter written, you know, almost 2,000 years ago, and is written by the brother of Jesus. Uh, not Jude, uh, but James. And James is an incredible character, someone who was a, one of the main leaders in the Church of Jerusalem, and uh, has a lot to say. Um, in fact, is, is very well known in the church. Jude, his brother, starts off his book by saying, like, yo, I'm the brother of James, so you all know who he is, so listen up to me. Um, but James starts off a little differently, and I love it. I love the humility that he has about his own position and the high position of Christ. Um, and I also love the, the harsh reality that he, he just talks about when, when addressing some of the harder issues in life. And so in these next few weeks, come prepared to be challenged, but also come prepared to just hear some really good uh, teaching that he has to offer. Um, I'm going to be reading through it and just kind of explaining and, and um, yeah, bringing out some of the things that he's saying and maybe a little bit of the background to it and, uh, and tying some of the things together. But I'm really hoping that in these next few weeks that us as a congregation are able to, to dig into the book of James and not just in this time on a Sunday evening, but throughout the week. I encourage you to, to read this book you know, really spend time. There's a lot of things that we're going to cover in this first chapter tonight, and you're not going to get it all tonight. I hope that you get some of the main things, um, but take some time the rest of this week really digging into it. There's so much good things, and I hope you, you will find yourself at the end of it looking back going, wow, that was awesome. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive right in, and I'm so excited, guys. It is an incredible, incredible book. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the wisdom that you imparted to your church all those years ago. Um, through your brother James and uh, I pray that as we engage with it in the next few weeks uh, that you would shape us and mold us to your word that your truth would just become such a part of our lives and shape us um, to be people of righteousness to be people who, who change the world around us and I pray for tonight for all of these listeners that you would bless them in each of the places that they're listening um, and really bring about such a sense of you being there with them in the name of Jesus, amen. Alrighty, let's dive in. So if you have your phone or something, uh, if you're watching on your phone, I don't know what you're going to do. But to get the book of James out, because it's really going to be helpful for you to be able to read it. I'm reading from the NIV just because I know that that's something that I've been um, comfortable with for a long time. And so that's the, the translation that I'm using. Um, but if you're in a different one, then that's okay. I will say the verses that I am on as I go through. Uh, so verse 1 is, is such an incredible, humble introduction that he has for himself. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. None of this, I am the great leader of the Jerusalem church. I am the brother of Jesus. All these things. He's just like, I'm a servant. 
our Lord, our God, and the Lord Jesus Christ. To the 12 tribes scattered amongst the nations. We often think of the early church as this unified group that was strongly and boldly going forward and that, you know, when we're unified, nothing can stop us. But the truth was is that they were scattered. There was persecution going on that was literally taking them away from being able to, to see each other, to spend time with each other. And so unity that we experience is a blessing. And we've experienced the flip side of that by being scattered ourselves in this time, being separated. And I think it's really cool to be able to realize that actually that is something that, that was part of the struggle of the early church, is that there were brothers and sisters that they couldn't see because of persecution. And, and as we don't see those around us, I encourage you to keep, um, yeah, keep each other in your prayers and your thoughts and to remember that we are still unified even though we're not together. Um, just those two lines already, I'm like, wow, this guy, incredible. And he says greetings. So, yeah, warm welcome from James and myself for this evening. <laughs> Chat, uh, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow. We spoke about at the beginning of lockdown, you know, why if a good and loving God who's all-powerful could let evil exist. And if you missed that, I really encourage you to go back and, and look at it. But one of the things was that life with true meaning always has trials. A, a sports team that is the best uh, is only proven so once they've overcome every other team in the league, um, or depending on how the league works, uh, but, but is, is, is proven by their performance, by the trials that they face. Every great story that we hear always has a huge obstacle about how that's part of overcoming. We get to see what that person or that team or that group really is because of what they've overcome. And it's the same with our faith. Our faith really is, is proven true through what it's taken us through. Um, and, uh, and I love how this testing of our faith produces perseverance because it's been a hard time for us and we've had to persevere. We've had to keep going, uh, you know, kind of grinding through the long times of lock lockdown and, and not being able to see each other. And while I, I'm excited because, you know, there's changes coming in, in the country that, that's leading us to that, we also are grateful for what lockdown has produced in us and uh, the kind of people that we, we're becoming um, because of the faith that's in us. And, and so we, we consider the trials that have happened in us a, a joy because it's proven true. Um, and, and he continues in verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. This is such an encouraging verse. And it reminds me so much of Solomon, who was a child and was about to take on the kingdom of Israel as their king. And, and he was just like, imagine, you're there, some youngster, and you're told, look after the whole country. And it's terrifying. It's, it must have been some of the most scariest situations to, to comprehend. Um, and God was there with him, and he said, he offered him anything. What would you like? Solomon asked for wisdom. And it so pleased God that he obviously blessed him with, with so much more. And if you want to read that story, it's an incredible, incredible story. Um, but God loves to give wisdom. And I've been really challenged with this in my life. This is one of my favorite um, 
parts of, of the book, although you'll see there's loads of parts that I really enjoy. I've preached from many different verses in this chapter, let alone this book. Um, but when I was in matric, I really, really uh, took this verse seriously and I would meet up with some friends. And almost every morning, whenever we met up together, I'd be praying for wisdom. I was like, yo, God, I do not know what's going to be happening. I, I just really need your insight, your wisdom uh, to become a part of me. And I really appreciated a lot of the, the wisdom and, and that when I look back and I was like, yo, I made this decision. But it's only because of the wisdom of God and my obedience to that that it came about right. And so I encourage you to pray for wisdom um, in the way that you act, in, in how you deal with your finances, how you deal with family, how you deal with difficult situations, anything. Ask for wisdom from God. He loves to give it. And, and then James, he's, he's, he's talked about how our faith is proven and that sort of stuff. And if we're lacking things to ask, especially for wisdom, and then he moves into the flip side of that. But when you ask, you must believe and do not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Whoa, James, calm down. Um, but you can see that this is actually very serious. Um, and he's not talking about a doubt where, you know, when you, you, you're praying for something spectacular and you're like, oh God, I'm a little nervous, you know, that sort of thing. Um, this is the kind of doubt where, actually your life is is not shaped by the faith that you have um and and it comes out later where we, we look in in the chapter and I'll, I'll bring it up again but um this is the kind of of life where actually you've got so many things as as safety nets in place because you're you're not really trusting that god's going to do what he says you will do uh, which is pretty intense and so i'm really challenged by this as not not in the sense of you know Am I having doubts in terms of, you know, this is a hard time and I'm, I'm really struggling to, to come forward to God because of, of all the difficulties that I'm seeing? This is the doubt of like, yeah, I say I'm a Christian, but I'm also, you know, going to be trusting in all the other things that give me good things in this life. Um, just because, you know, what happens if Christianity isn't true? On the flip side of that, what happens if it is true? At least I've just, you know, said a prayer so that I can get into heaven one day. But I'm actually just not really taking that seriously. I have some doubts about the whole thing. And um, I'm just doing this to go through the motions in case one day um, it happens. And you can see there's, there's double-mindedness there. There's, there's kind of like they're saying one thing, they're living another thing. And it's, it's really, yeah, you can see why you wouldn't trust them for, for spiritual guidance if, if they're not really sure what's, go, what's cutting them. And then verse 9, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildfire. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Hectic. James is not throwing back any of the punches here. And I used to read these verses and go, ha, those rich people over there, you know, um, just in that suburb or wherever. And, and, and actually, you know, it took some hard conversations that people had to have with me to realize that actually I am that rich person. I was stunned when I was, I was reading through some of the stuff that the warehouse was putting out a few years ago and realizing that the majority of the country is living on less than 5,000 rand a month. Um, the majority, large majority, and that because I have an education, we have a car, we're staying in a house, 
We're not having to worry where food comes from. We are outrageously rich. And, and that hit hard. And I started to read these verses like, whoa, there's a lot of things that I carry into situations because of, of my wealth and my education and my pride. Um, we often just avoid people who are different to us. We don't get to learn the lessons from the poor. We don't get to learn the lessons from people who are different from us. Our pride is our downfall. And we, we don't really even take faith as seriously. Jesus said it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Because we've built our own kingdom, we've built our own little establishment where we have our own security nets in place, we have our own things that are protecting us. But at the end of the day, we can't take any of that stuff with us through to heaven. And so as we're going about building up this empire for ourselves, it's being undone. Time undoes it. And when we go, it's just going to fade away. And so this really challenges me. Which kingdom am I building? Is it the eternal one? Or is it one that's just for myself? Is the work that I'm doing each and every day going to last? Or is it going to be like when, when Peter describes, I think it's 1 Peter or 2 Peter, that we get into heaven and it's like there's still flames on our, our coat because all the stuff we did just burnt up around us and um, the stuff that we were meant to be doing we just neglected. All the stuff of eternal significance stays but that which is just temporary passes away and we, we end up in heaven like everything I spent my whole life doing is gone. But yeah, I really want to be working on that which is going to be eternal. And so big challenge um, that... Uh, we could do incredible things with what we have here, but is it going to last? And then verse 12, blessed are the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. This again with the perseverance that we read from earlier. And, and this kind of shows just how this, this part of, of the world that we're living in is going to be tough. Um, but it, it shapes us, it molds us. And, and having withstood that, still holding on to the faith that God has that, that God has, has blessed us with um, but that, that we've put in Him we get through to the end and realizing Yo, we can now enjoy relationship with Him freely incredible little verse there, lots more to go into there but I'll move on verse 13, when tempted no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil nor does He tempt anyone but teach each person but each person is being tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Sure, this is a huge, like, little insight into how sin captures us, and, and we find the freedom that we have in faith just being taken away. And, and the reality that actually there is an enemy that's fighting against against us and, and he's putting in lies and temptations but when we let that temptation grow into desire and we start thinking like this longing in our heart to do that which we know is wrong um, and this desire built on lies like it's not that bad Ugh, we'll get away with it Ugh, everyone else is doing it it's fine um, then um, yeah that builds into action and and sin ultimately leads to death and we can often look at the end of this this route and go Yes, I'm like sinning, I'm busy, you know, throwing away money, I'm doing hurting people around me. What's going on? Like, I need to really repent and stop what's going on. But then we deal with just the action and not the things that's going on underneath. James shows us there's something going on underneath here. 
Um, and so we really need to take seriously the desires that are going on. Where are these desires coming from? What are the lies that the enemy is telling us? And, and James goes on just to, to really show us the flip side of that now. Do not be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. And this shows a bit of the contrast, that all the things that are, that are terrible and going on is, is, is a direct root of of the lies and temptations that we're agreeing with, that desire grows into action. Um, and it's not God who's tempting us or putting these things in the way. There's an enemy that's actively doing these things. Um, but everything that comes from him is good. Now, of course, there's a whole conundrum. And if you want to go back to that sermon I mentioned earlier about why there's evil and suffering, please do. Um, but every perfect gift is from above. And he doesn't change like shifting shadows. And instead of, of, of lies that, that lead into desire, he says, build, we've given birth through the word of truth. And so this truth doesn't lead us to desire that which is evil. Instead, it leads us to desire that which is good. So that we might be the first fruits of all that he's created. Um, he's creating new things. And we're told that we become new creations uh, when, we, when we come to faith in Jesus. And that's exciting. He then moves on in, in verse 19 to say, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. These verses, honestly, have changed my life. When I was in high school, I used to really struggle with anger and Many of you can remember that maybe, um, but many of you would have heard the story that actually, you know, when things were going well, it was, it was fine. I could put up a facade of like, you know, I'm a good person and all these sorts of things. But when things started going badly, I got exposed to what was really going on. And there was a lot of anger going on underneath. I don't know why I was angry, um, but I let lies grow into desire, grow into action. And the one night I was just so convicted when I was playing a competitive sport, like it would often go down, um, and that, that competitiveness just went out of control a little bit, and that anger that was just simmering underneath the surface spilled out, and um, yeah, people called me out on it, because I was that gap, you know, I was just like, here I was, meant to be this great, great person that I was trying to tell everyone I was, and they were like, I don't, I don't see that, there's something going on here, bro. Um, not in like a mean way, but just like, this is who you're saying you are, and yet this is how you're acting. Um, and so I was challenged. And I, I just was like, I was so angry as well. Um, and I realized I didn't want this to, to continue. I was hurting people through what I was saying, but also what I was doing. Um, and, and so I realized I didn't want anger to be a part of my, my story anymore. And so we prayed. We, I, I prayed with some of the leaders we dealt with. You know, you go through repenting of these actions that you've done, and you deal with what are the desires, why do I want to be like that? Where are the lies that have come in from that? And replacing it with God's truth. And yeah, I've decided that I want to be a person who's quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. Take time in this verse this next week, guys. It can really change who you are and how you live and the way that people see you. I haven't had to, like, had an explosion of anger in years. 
I can say that I'm free from that anger. I don't have this pit dwelling in underneath the surface where I know that's the dark place, I don't go there. It's gone. Um, I never thought that would happen. But God has changed me, He's shaped me, and He's dealt with that. And I want that for you as well. And, and it leads on to the next one, verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This is powerful stuff here guys and it's leading back on from that faith versus doubt um, parallel that we saw earlier you know where we were being refined and then doubt like what are we really holding on to and and the challenge to the rich this is all continuing on from that he's building on from from that foundation that he's laid and he's saying that you know in order for us to be truly who we are um, we need to do what the word is saying it needs to become a part of us we need to hear it it needs to change us so it shapes our actions and not one thing where we can come and look at the word and go like, you know, if I had to describe myself to someone or the image that I show myself to be to someone else, it's like when I'm looking in a mirror and I'm busy doing myself up, looking all nice, I'm presenting the best version of myself. Then I go away from that space and my actions completely tell a different story about who I am. I can then look at myself and when I'm looking at myself, I see the good things of I'm a Christian who's loving and I'm wanting to, to bring hope and kindness to the world and I'm wanting to be someone who impacts with change. But then I go and I act in a different way. This is this conundrum. This is this double-mindedness that he's talking about and, and the hoping in the wrong things. But he's saying, you know, if, if the word takes root in us and, and funny enough, whenever we're looking into the perfect law that gives freedom, because we're no longer enslaved to those desires and those sins that are just trapping us there. Um, we're becoming this person, this freer person who can actually go and live out the people that who we want to be. That when we look at the best version of ourselves and we're saying this is who we are, by doing it, by having it in us and flowing out of us, that's just who we are. Um, whereas if we're not doing it, we can tell that there's a difference between who we're saying we are and we just forget about that and we carry on living our lives. Um, it's, it's pretty big and, and he finishes off um, really well in this chapter by, by saying talking about the difference between like religious you know um, mindsets but then also acceptable religion and uh, I'll, I'll just read it quickly for you verse 26 those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless religion that God our father accepts as pure and faultless is this Look after the orphans and window, widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Powerful things. And he's just building on this thing that he's been working up in the whole chapter. Is, yeah, what's really going on inside of us? Are we really trusting and relying on this faith that's being refined? Are we building our lives on truth that leads us to go further and beyond uh, in righteousness? Or are we struggling with real doubts, not really taking this thing seriously? And then saying that we're one thing and then doing another thing. Are we relying on our wealth instead of building that which lasts forever? 
Do we read these good things and then go away and live something completely different? Or is it shaping us, changing us, molding us, moving us to be the kind of people that are no longer stuck in, in the, the sins and actions that, for example, anger produces, or lust, or greed, or any of the sins? Um, and, and I want to encourage you guys tonight, as we look back on this chapter, um, yeah, take a good look in the mirror. Who is the person that you're saying you want to be? Is there a difference between how you're living out your life? What are the lies that are feeding the desires, that are feeding the sin? Repent of those things. And come and enjoy freedom from not having to be enslaved to things like, like anger and lust and greed. Because as we're able to deal with those evil desires and sins, and to accept the word of truth that God's putting into us, we, get, we begin to become the people of righteousness, the first fruits of all, all His creation. And so I bless you, PBC Evening Congregation, with such wisdom to know where God's moving in your lives, to follow Him with such excitement. And I bless you to put off anything that's entangling you. I, I, I bless you just to leave aside these lies that the world is throwing at us. And to pick up that which God is putting in you. Bless you to live out of a place of truth. Out of a place of freedom. Knowing that you're becoming the person who God's created you to be. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. And have a wonderful week. If you have any questions or anything that you'd like to chat to me about, pop me a message. And I'd love to yeah, take this forward. This is not going to be something that happens overnight. This is a journey. This is a refining process that happens through hard life. But it's worth it. It's worthwhile to be the kind of person who God's creating us to be.